Hey friends, this is Linda. Thanks for tuning in to Calling Water. We are once again examining scripture through the lens of understanding both what it means and what it might call us to do. In today's episode, In Your Hometown, we're continuing the story of Jesus in his hometown of Nazareth in Luke chapter 4, verses 20 through 30, and what this passage teaches us about the topic of rejection. Let's get started. In our previous episode, Fulfilled in Your Hearing, we examined Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 21, which as it turns out, was essentially Jesus's life, ministry, and purpose in a nutshell. He proclaimed in the synagogue that the words of the prophet Isaiah was now fulfilled in front of their very eyes. He was the Savior, even though that's not exactly what he said. Jesus The living word was the manifestation of what Isaiah meant when he wrote proclaiming good news, proclaiming freedom, and proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. Initially, we find that the response to this declaration by Jesus was unanimously favorable. Verse 22 of our text tells us, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. But the next part of the same verse tells us specifically why they were so amazed. It says, isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. If you remember, Jesus wasn't in just any old town. He was back in his hometown, Nazareth. Now, people tend to have a lot of emotional attachment to hometowns. But as we will see with the case of Jesus, home is often the toughest crowd. You know how in sports, a team is considered to have home court or home field advantage when they play in their own city? Now, I don't know how that actually works, but I would think in terms of emotional support, you do have an advantage, especially if your hometown fans are with you through thick and thin. But more often than not, your at-home supporters turn out to be your harshest critics. With Jesus, even though he was among people that had probably seen him grow up, well, therein lies the problem. There's a famous saying, familiarity breeds contempt. We humans generally find it difficult to root for the people we grew up with. If anyone that we grew up with ends up being even a little bit more successful than we are, we might be happy for them for like a few seconds. But if we're being truly honest with ourselves, there is a layer of resentment and bitterness and even jealousy that just comes as a reflex because you know their past. At one point, maybe you considered yourself smarter and more skilled than this person. So how in the world are they on top? Now, I hope none of you feel attacked by this, but I do think that this is something that we all struggle with to some degree. And this is the kind of social dynamic Jesus walked into by bringing his fame back home. Now, we can read the same account of this incident in Mark chapter 6, and there you can hear their cynicism even stronger. Check out what they say about Jesus in Mark chapter 6, verses 2 through 3. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter, 
Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Side note, for any of you who thought Jesus was an only child, think again. Jesus had half-brothers and sisters. But back to the text. Look how skeptical they are. They're listing out all the ways that they are familiar with Jesus and just how ordinary he is. He's just a guy from around here. I mean, he's always been kind of an upstanding citizen, but other than that, thoroughly unremarkable. But now we are hearing that he's performing miracles and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. There's just no way. So their amazement is not in awe and wonder at Jesus's teachings. They just can't believe that these words are coming out of someone who they would have never given a second thought about. They're incredulous. So while they don't say these exact words out loud, Jesus knew in their hearts that what they wanted was proof. Go on, hometown hero, show us what you're made of. And in knowing this, Jesus made a verbal preemptive strike, if you will, and he hit them precisely where it hurt. Jesus says in Luke chapter 4, verse 23, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. I feel like a few of them might have mumbled, I was just about to say that. This pithy little saying, physician, heal yourself, could mean a couple of things. For example, it could mean, hey, I didn't ask you to heal me, go heal yourself. Or it could mean, oh, you can heal? Well, show me on yourself first. Either way, the phrase is loaded with skepticism and irreverence. Jesus knew that behind their amazement was scoffing and murmuring, and he nips it in the bud by calling out their internal conversations. In saying what he said in verse 23, Jesus is telling the crowd that he knows they are doubtful of the rumors they have heard about him, especially because they had known him since he was young. They still saw him in past tense. When Jesus said earlier that this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, it didn't really take. They were waiting for further proof. So Jesus flat out tells them that they will be getting no special treatment from him. He uses the examples of the prophets Elijah and Elisha from the Old Testament, whose ministries bypassed the people nearest and closest to them, but were commissioned to the outskirts of their regions. Now, it's not because God was being selective with who they would minister to, but it's because of this very phrase Jesus says in Luke chapter 4, verse 24. Truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. Jesus wasn't saying that he wanted to exclude hometown people from the friends and family ministry discount. It's not that he was rejecting them. Rather, they were rejecting him. Jesus is saying that like Elijah, Elisha, numerous other prophets, and now himself, people will find ways to belittle the work and accomplishments of someone that they think they know well. Like I've been saying, 
we totally get this phenomenon. But if you think about it, this shouldn't make sense at all. Because you would expect that the people who watched you grow, the people who are more intimately familiar with you, should know you best, would support you most, cover for you when you mess up, give you the benefit of the doubt. But don't we find that we are often most deeply wounded by the people who we have called our closest friends or family members? And this is what happened to Jesus at the synagogue. The minute Jesus said his peace, the crowd who had once been unanimously amazed were now unanimously enraged. So furious were they that they drove him out of town and were determined to go so far as to throw him off a cliff. But Jesus, verse 30 tells us, walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Jesus walks away unscathed physically but no doubt heartbroken at the response he had just gotten. So what message does the story of Jesus' rejection from his hometown have for us? At the most basic level, we have discovered yet another human experience that Jesus knows so well. Rejection. Jesus knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to have friends and family you've known forever to turn their backs on you. He knows what it's like to give and give and then get spat on, literally. He knows what it's like to love someone so deeply that he would die for them, only to have that love be unrequited. Now, why is this comforting? Because fear of rejection is something that we all battle with, more or less. It's what holds us back from trying anything new or taking any risks. I mean, this is a personal battle for me as because I am terrified of trying anything that might put me in a place to get rejected. Because what happens when you get rejected? We crumble. We lose our confidence. We start questioning our self-worth. And then it gets that much harder to try ever again. But how does a healthy person deal with rejection? They walk right through the crowd and go on their way. Jesus didn't allow the crowd's outrage and almost murder dampen his spirits or set him back from his mission. Because if you read in Luke chapter 4, if you continue reading in Luke chapter 4, that is, you find that Right after this, Jesus goes down to Capernaum and does more of the same, teaching scripture, healing, driving out demons, all those things that the people of his hometown, Nazareth, had missed out on because they had been so busy sizing him up. So that's the first thing today's text calls me to, to be okay with being rejected. Because ultimately, what does it mean to be rejected by people? I mean, it hurts. It hurts so much, but it has no lasting value. Whether it's by a stranger or someone you've known for years, their acceptance or distance from you doesn't change your worth. We need to find comfort in knowing that we are never rejected by the one who truly matters, God. God has always accepted us exactly the way we are. 
God has seen us growing up in even more excruciating detail than the people of Nazareth had seen Jesus grow up. And yet God embraces us and welcomes us every time. So go out there and be radiant and boldly live out your calling as God's chosen instrument in whatever field of work you do. Because no matter who might reject you because of what you do, especially in the name of Jesus, Jesus will always be your home. Now, I wish I could close out with that warm and fuzzy feeling, but let's flip the script for just a second. Now, imagine instead of being the one rejected, you are the one doing the rejecting. Sincerely ask yourself, have I been rejecting Jesus? Maybe not overtly because I love him, but maybe we have been in a lot of small, unnoticeable ways. Maybe you don't take the Bible seriously because you think it's outdated or confusing or even boring. Maybe you don't pray all that much anymore because you don't think it's effective. Maybe you don't dedicate time for worship because it's just so much more convenient to stay home these days. Maybe you don't believe in miracles because you haven't seen one personally. Or maybe. You feel privileged in some way and think you're entitled to some heavenly blessings, but seeing as God seems to not reward you for your faithfulness, you're kind of angry and you're just going to stop trying altogether. And there are endless other ways that we can reject Jesus, sometimes without even knowing that's what we're doing. Let today's story be a cautionary tale to you. God knows what's in your heart. What the people of Nazareth should have done is bow down in worship to the Savior standing in their midst. Instead, they stood tall and proud and scoffed at the very Messiah who they claimed to have been waiting for for hundreds of years. So let us take the opposite approach. Instead of holding our heads high and demanding that Jesus do more for us, Let's be in the position of asking what more we can do for him. Instead of quantifying all the ways that you've served and done good things in the past and then expecting Jesus to reciprocate with some sweet blessings, what if we realized that there's no way we could quantify what Jesus has done for us? How could we ever repay that? And why would we ever reject that? Our Savior, Jesus, has come in fulfillment of Scripture. But what's more, He's here. Humbly accept the words He gives us and invite Him to take the seat of highest honor in your spiritual hometown. Let's pray. God, we know that we place so much value on the opinions of others, so much so that whenever anyone turns their back on us, we are devastatingly wounded and filled with self-doubt. But with each sting of whatever rejection we may come across, give us the courage to walk right through it and go on our way straight into your arms, which are always held open for us. 
And may we also do the same, accepting you and loving you for who you are instead of turning our backs on you. May our hearts be your hometown, a place you find familiar and a place where you are welcomed. In Jesus' name, amen.